Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of a soon-to-be-branded turkey series. Uh, we, <laughs> we we haven't figured out what we want to call this yet, but we just want to be talking turkey because as it sits right now, uh, I am three months and four three months and three weeks away from deer season. I almost said four weeks, which, which would have just been four months. But uh, wait, three time out, time out, time yeah. Out. You said you're three months away from deer season? Three months away from turkey season? Turkey season. Turkey season. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You want to redo this? Let's just start over. Because no, because I, I, I mean, we can. Yeah. Let's start over. <laughs> yeah. So three, three and a half months basically from turkey season. Uh, that's if I can't find a ute to take with me in the woods uh, that week before. That's always kind of a, a passion project of mine is finding an able-bodied ute to to go with me out there uh, and let me feed that addiction one week early. But, uh, dude, we just had an excellent podcast. This is one of those information overload episodes that uh, you're going to end up with a pile of information. Um, I think it's one that uh, when Joey outlined it, he did a great job of addressing a lot of the questions that our Patreon members will have because we all have a huge body of turkey hunters, and they're all really new, and there's a lot of – apprehension what do i actually need what does it do for me this is one of those episodes joey has a way of um of asking questions that i think everybody is wondering about Mm -hmm. things uh a lot of times joey will ask a question and it'll be something that i was thinking but he says it in a way that sounds smarter than the way i would have said it um things that maybe feel like entry-level questions but they're not a lot of the time And, and i think there's a lot of stuff in this episode in particular about sites and, and red dots and mounting them and, and even other stuff, man. Like Joey, uh, he does a great job of preparing and it's fun for me. Like, and I think it's fun for you too, because a lot of time that structure is maybe the thing that I lack. I really like to see, to have a structure created and then be able to work off of, off of that. And so, um, Greg though, he just absolutely just, uh, just crushed it with the knowledge and the, and the product, honestly, like it's just a great product. I I go on and on about it in the episode about how simple yet effective it is wishing that I would have been the person who came up with the idea. You know what I mean? It's one of those type things. It's one of those type ideas, right? That, that Mm -hmm. like, golly, so simple. I wish I would have come up with that. Yep. But like the zip tie, but, uh, the zip tie. Yeah. This is a great example. (laughs) The great example of a simple, but such an effective product. But uh, no, I enjoyed having Greg on here, and and be honest with you, it's kind of fun to talk about turkeys in December. So, whenever you're talking turkeys with a bunch of guys who think about turkey a lot, 
You know, you and yeah. I get into a deer hunting mindset for sure. And we get into deer season. Um, but there is seldom a day that goes goes by that I'm not thinking about turkey to some extent. I was scouting the other day and I found turkey sign and I dropped a turkey pin. And I'm like, I'm coming right back here to this scratch in, uh, in, the, in the spring. And so um, I'm, I'm excited because we're kicking off what is my favorite time of the year right before Christmas. Uh, you guys will probably hear this sometime in January. But um, stay tuned because Joey is going to be taking a big lead in a lot of our uh, turkey content. You know, he's, he's been thinking about this for a while. We told you it was coming down the pipe. And, um, I think what you're going to find is he has tailored the episode topics to be relevant for you as you progress through the year. Um, this is going to mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I, I do want to say a couple things about some people that we're partnering with, with the spring, um, as it is right now, you guys know that we were running the tethered saddles during deer season. They have the M2 vest. I freaking love that vest. I cannot wait for you guys to have those vests. Uh, uh, those should be coming any day now um, to y'all. They are a phenomenal vest. And as a tinkerer, if you listen to this whole podcast and you don't get this from that, we all tinker with our gear for turkey. There's a lot of changing and trying to, to find uh, both enjoyment in the down season, but also that perfect setup for what you're doing. It's completely modular. You're going to love it. Um, and the seat is perhaps the best part about it. It's got all these different layers of foam, so you can adjust it based on if you have a bony butt or or a, uh, if you're a thick boy with a spell that B O I B O I T H I C C B O I. That's thick it. boy. Can we As make that somehow into like a turkey shirt? Thick boy, like a big a big beard. Yeah, like a thick like a paintbrush. Yeah. That's that's shout out number one. The shout out number two is Honeycomb Custom Calls. So y'all know last year we raised three hundred and eighty five dollars for Wild Turkey Research, which for a platform our size, just selling mouth calls, that's freaking awesome. And so this year we're bringing back two of the mouth calls. We're going to have the Not Safe for Work, and we're going to have the JB Special as singles. We're not doing the three pack combo pack. And then throughout the course of the year, we're going to be doing limited runs of friction calls uh, that. Daniel, myself are working on collaborating on. So stay tuned for that. Feel free to go support his, his website at any point in time. He's a phenomenal guy. He's a turkey nut. And uh, we're, we're happy to be partnering with them as well this year. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I got my hands on a, on, well, that's not true. I, I had the, the diaphragm calls for the whole season, killed a lot of turkeys with that JV special. Um, and, I think one with the not safe for work, to be honest with you. But when we got to hook up with uh with Daniel at the uh in in Tennessee at the end of the season, um he had a few calls that I got to play around with and some of his friction calls that are just I mean, works of art, man. Like just craftsman craftsmanship and sound, just absolutely beautiful calls. So I don't think anybody's gonna be disappointed by checking out some of his stuff and uh I'm excited to keep using it throughout this uh, this upcoming this upcoming spring, man. It's uh, I got it at the very end. We talked about it. I think mm-hmm. we may not have talked about it in this episode, but Tennessee made their season longer, and so when I actually got to use these this friction call, it was like freaking end of May, <laughs> like yeah, basically summertime. And uh, so I'm excited to use them throughout this uh, this upcoming season for the whole season. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. It's a lot of fun. They are truly works of art. He agonizes over the, the every little sound detail, and I'm not going to 
spill his his uh, trade secrets. But I can tell you that the man doesn't just make a call, put surfaces in there, put a soundboard in there, and just throw it on the website. Like if it doesn't perform at this spec at this size, he cuts it out of the product line entirely. So, um, and the man, if you have any issue with it, he's going to stand by his product and get you hooked up. I've seen him do it uh, a handful of times. So with that, man, let's get him onto the episode. This is a long one. Uh, we've been, we've been really doing some long episodes here for you guys. That's something a lot of you guys request. We're happy to oblige. Absolutely, dude. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Collective Podcast. Uh, we're doing we're doing the turkey thing again. I'm sitting here conflicted because to my right I've got a thousand dollar new bow set up, and to my left I've got Mossberg dipped eight seventy parts from the gentleman who uh, is on today's episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why all the new gear. And here's the deal: Parker last year bought a Bottomland dipped bow. And then shot like 18, 19 birds. And so I struggled last year. Bow. And I saw I ain't, shoot, direct... I ain't shooting turkeys with bows, dog. What'd I say? You said bow. See, I'm all over the place, man. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Shotgun. Shotgun in the face. Um, and so I went and bought a bought a dip stock, man. I'm going to look just like you. I'm going to have the, the black Cerakoted barrel with the with the bottomland dip stock. and got to have the bottomland on the turkey gun for sure. You got to, man. And so my tags are punched, so i got to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of the year, but counting the goodest punch but i am joined by parker himself and a special guest greg is it mayor mayhair mayhair all right mayor mayhair is close enough either way <laughs> i would have said mar i really would have said mar if i would have re- just been reading that myself mm. i could see that i could see that but we're, we're building on the trend uh of turkey content because we are on the brink of turkey season uh mr joey bell himself should join us any moment but we're going to get started um, we got a gentleman uh, that probably everybody knows who he is, but doesn't necessarily know him very well. He's made a hell of a splash uh, in the turkey realm, making shotguns that uh, weren't necessarily compatible with red dots or scopes, uh, suddenly compatible to, with them. Um, and he's a, he's a diehard turkey fanatic. Greg, dude, I appreciate you carving time out of your day. It looks yes, like sir. your taxidermy yeah, bill has been Greg. paid based on what's behind yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, so let's 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 tease everybody here. Let's tell them a little bit about you, right? All right. How did so, you, how did you get into turkey hunting? All right. So I, you know, I I didn't grow up turkey hunting. I I didn't start turkey hunting until I was, you know, I think my second year in college. I went I went to Clemson. Grew up closer there, but I grew up fishing. Uh, started deer hunting when I was like ten, um, bow hunting. Um, killed my first one when I was 12 with a bow. Killed my first few deer with a bow. And, um, you know, we just never had anywhere to turkey hunt. Um, my dad wasn't into it. Uh, none of the other, none of his friends were really into turkey hunting. I would ask about it and, you know, none, nobody was interested. So, um, luckily in college, my, my friend had always been, he'd been a turkey hunter and a deer hunter. So, uh, like I said, I was at Clemson. We went on some of the public land there. This was, uh, you know, 20 years ago back when, um, and there's still birds around, but back when they were doing a little bit better than they are today. So I killed a, I think I killed a Jake my very first hunt and I was hooked from there. Um, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you got to kill a few of them every now and then. Um, anyway, uh, so after that, you know, my, the next year I killed one, uh, on my own and that's really when I got hooked. Uh, you know, we, we kind of still hunted together a little bit, um, but would go our separate ways. I'm a, you know, I like, I like hunting with my, with my buddies, but 
to me, turkey hunting's a one-man game, so uh, I, I like going by myself, being up against a tree by myself. So um, it was really, it was really neat to get my first one alone. So. Greg, that's a uh, that's interesting because I started turkey hunting by myself, and I would probably say now after uh, having hunted with people, with the right person, like if oh, it's yeah, somebody, it's a... if it's somebody who's <laughs> equal or more, you know, higher level. It is so much stinking fun to turkey hunt yeah. with other with with somebody else, but it has to be the certain the right person. Yep, I agree. So there's you know um, there's there's certain guys that I would go any any day with. It's just you know everyone's got different styles, especially uh, as many different styles as there are for deer. There's just as many for turkeys. So you know if you find a guy that likes to do it the same way you do, that's that's when it can can really be be fun. But I still don't mind going by myself. So ninety five percent of the time I'm by myself, but usually so. It's uh it's interesting, man. We've we've talked a lot about this. Um, me and Walter have talked about it quite a bit. You know, with our with our platform, one of the main things that we do is Patreon, which is okay. kind of kind of. Um, our Patreon isn't just about giving us support and giving us money or anything like that. It's about kind of building that camaraderie. And so, like, um, what I've seen is a lot of guys who are, like, even through deer season and turkey season, you have a lot of guys who are kind of solo hunters, I guess you could say. Um, but they use that platform as a way to take buddies into the woods without actually having to take buddies into your spots. Gotcha. Uh, yep. Which is which is pretty cool, you know. It's yeah. it's pretty cool to see that, um, and I think I think uh, I, I totally understand where you're at and where you're coming from. Like sometimes, sometimes after I've hunted with a group of people or hunted with somebody else for maybe a few hunts in a row or something like that, or maybe you go on a trip, there's something special about just those solo moments, you know, yeah. and being able to just take your time. Um, turkeys is, is a big one because everybody has their little differences in how they turkey hunt and how long they oh, sit yeah. on a spot, how much they call, how much yeah. they, you know, what are they willing to crawl on a turkey or not? You know, like there's all the little things in there. So, dude, I totally know where you're coming from. And sometimes being in the woods just by yourself and seeing all that stuff unfold and just being able to take it in without talking is uh, is fun. It's nice. Yeah, you can you can take it in a little better now. Now that most of the states are going to one a day, it used to be, uh, you know, you shoot one in the first thirty minutes or an hour. It's all right. Where was that other one? I'm going after him now. You just have to. I mean, it's a good thing you get to slow down and enjoy the moment. There's no rush to go shoot another one the same day. So um, you get you get more of those moments now, really, too, as well. I make it a I make it a, a thing when I kill something, whether it be a deer or a turkey. Uh, other than working to get that deer or turkey out of the woods, I'm probably not going to do a lick of work for the rest of the day. Yeah. It's almost a tradition, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, just take your time. Get out of the woods whenever you can. You got all day to do it. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, that's uh, sure. I get it, man. Yeah. I, it's funny, as the uh, by far and again least versed turkey hunter, uh, Clay is actually, I, I regard him as my turkey hunting mentor. Um, he got yeah. me into it in the spring of 2020 when everybody had free time. Uh, and... I immediately fell down the rabbit hole. I grew up on a turkey reservation. The ultimate irony is I saw one turkey track the entire time I was there. There was just no good habitat for turkeys. Did you say you grew up on a high-fence turkey farm? Pretty much. Is that that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's where all the beards come from. I just picked them up every shed season, just went around and picked up the beards. Um, But... uh, it was it was funny because I, I grow around. There's these faded NWTF and you know turkey conservation zone, no turkey hunting, and I desperately wanted to turkey hunt growing up, but I had no one to take me. And the public land had this like stigma of it's not worth your time. It's it's going to yeah. be terrible hunting. And we tried it a couple times, and I caught a bird in and the shooting range and completely screwed the pooch. Um, but with all that said, I really prefer hunting with these other fellas more so than hunting by myself. I'll go regardless, but I just learned so much. It'll be just like a cadence yep. that Joey uses or a cadence that uh, a call yep. sequence that Parker uses. And then seeing how it, 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 to me, sitting with your back to a tree and a bird laying at your feet with a buddy, that is just, I mean, yep. it's, I agree. it's, it can be so much fun. Yeah. So back to one, one of the things you said about the public land, about there being a stigma of it, not, you know, not being good or being crowded, man, it, it, it does have that, but I, I enjoy it uh, mainly because, um, you can just roam, you know, I, I, I hate, uh, you know, even a 50, 60, 70 acre piece of property that you, you might show up and if there's not a bird on it, you know, it, you, it's over with, you know, you, you can sit there and wait if you want, but if you go to a public piece, you, you can put your boots on the ground and move until you find one. Um, so that's, that's one of the reasons that I, I like that as well. So most of mine are killed on public, not not for any reason, not that I'm trying to make it harder on myself. It's just I I enjoy it more because you can move and try to find one if if there's not one where you where you park the truck. I, I if I so, had the ability to roam on private, I'd never set foot on public. I, I just you know yeah. I, I could turkey. Yeah, if you could roam and just go, go if you had big pieces. Yeah. 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 
Go ahead, Parker. Greg, when did you when did you uh, in this kind of like uh, journey of becoming a turkey hunter? When did it become something that you're like, man, I feel like this is something I really want to not only invest my time in learning to be a turkey hunter, but try to build a career in the turkey hunting world with a with yeah, a with a pretty niche thing. I would say like a, yeah. a very niche product. Yeah. So you know, I'd always dreamt of not. Um, going to work for someone else from eight to five every day. It was just kind of, uh, you know, I, I did work in, in the industry. I was a mechanical engineer. My background is really civil engineering with a bachelor's and master's from, from Clemson. Um, but I did more mechanical stuff and just was hoping one day I could figure something out, figure out a way to, to make money without doing that. So in 2017 is when I actually quit my day job. I had other, you know, reselling stuff I, I was in. I was into, and that's about the time I started coming up with the mount idea. I uh, had just seen on forums, Facebook groups, online forums, turkey forums like Old Gobbler, Gobbler Nation, those two, you know, people might ask, how can you mount a red dot on this? How can I mount a red dot on my 870, you know, that's not drilled and tapped? And I, you know, I'd see people ask, and I was just thinking about it, and then I looked, and I was like, well, I don't see any reason you couldn't mount it to the rib, you know, we might, we might mount one on there, and it doesn't work, but you know, I can try it. What do I care? So, um, yeah, so it was 2017, 2018, you know, those, those few years is when I really hunted with it a little bit, um, tried it out. And, uh, once it, once we fully released it to the public in 2020, it's just been through the roof since then. So it's, it's growing every year still. It's insane, man. I, I wonder there's, there's ideas like that that come out. Um, yeah. I see it in, in saddle hunting a lot, yeah. uh, just like little, little tiny, smaller yeah. products, you know, and, and you think like, especially with something like a shotgun and I know red dots haven't been out for just a, a super, super long time, but they've been out for long enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty crazy being the guy that came up with that need, you yeah. know, that fixed that need. Like yeah. it, like. How did somebody not think about that earlier? You know what I mean? Yeah, That's what I, mean, I thought sure the first time would, I saw your stuff. You, you know, the, the thing is, people had probably thought of it and just didn't know how to, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone had made their own and, did, you know, just used it on their own and didn't, you know, no one really knew about it. They didn't have the drive to build a company around it. But, um, you know, that's pretty much the one product that we sold for the first three years. We've added a few things since then. Now we sell optics as well. So that really, you know, if somebody comes to me and needs yep. them out, most likely they're going to need the red dot as well. So luckily I've added that. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, people kind of think it's a little bit goofy until they try it. Um, I get, I get guys all the time that, you know, so I'll have a booth at the NWTF convention. That's really, that's where we released it in 2020. So then we kind of, in 21, they went to the virtual convention, which, you know, that's, that's hard. It, you know, if people can't see the product. It's, it's a lot harder to sell it. So we have that booth and I have guys that come by and they're like, yeah, man, I've always had it right back here, right in front of my eye. That's, you know, and I've heard people saying that's the preferred location until I used it. And, and 95% of the people that come by the booth and try it out there on the rib or order one, they, they prefer it out there once they give it a try. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things that's backwards from what everyone's always been told. And it, it's really the, the, to me, the best location for one. So, yeah. Well, if you think Did about you... it, Go ahead, I was going to say, if you, if you uh, think about it, the same red dots that you're putting on these shotguns are the same ones that are used on pistols. You yep. hold a pistol up here close right. to your face. You got it at least yep. at arm's length. Yep. So it, you know, it makes sense. Uh, yep. And one of the main things about that too is, is that 
that glass that you're looking through is never going to be as clear as just your eye. So when it's back here and everything you see is through that glass, why not get it further away from you? It's taking up less of your field of vision. Almost when, when the bird gets into that window, it, you know, he's almost in the dot. It's almost time to pull the trigger. So you can see around it a lot better as well. Greg, did you have a lot of, um, a lot of prototyping that you had to do with the original stuff or Man. was it just pretty much like holy cow this was easy to easy to make because it seems simple um, that's what i'm getting at. yeah yeah so the first one that i that i machined i uh I, I mean i had a shop that did it i didn't do it myself but the first one that we tried is the one that i started selling but the only issue with those that first iteration that was sized to the size of the rib that you had so it was a huge headache you know i took I took a bunch of different sizes with me that first year and, you know, I'd have people stop by and they're like, I've got this gun. What one do I need? So I'd look on my little notepad and I was like, I think you need this because there's all the way now Benelli has a five and a half millimeter. So there's five and a half millimeter rib, six millimeter. There's one a little bit bigger than that. Remington is an odd size, which is 291. I won't bore you with all the different sizes, but like between five and a half millimeters and 10 millimeters, there's about... Uh, seven or eight different sizes so it was you know i had a bunch out and people would call me i'm like they you know most people don't have calipers at home to measure their rib so i'm fighting that and then i'd get people that did and they would say i need this size i'm like well we, i don't make that so now i have to start making that one and saying it's for this gun and then companies will change their rib from year to year or gun to gun and it was it was a huge headache so after selling those for a year um, the first big change that we made was to go to the universal mount that comes with all the different um, adapters for, for the different ribs. There's still every now and then I get someone that has some oddball gun that you know, most likely never heard of that has a, a different sized rib. And, you know, I try to make everybody happy. I'll, I'll make them what they need. So um, it, it, was a, it was a headache at first, though. But the first prototype we put on a gun, you know, it was, of course it was made specific for that gun. Use it for a couple of years with no issues. So it was kind of a, a simple thing that, that ended up working. That's awesome. Yep. It's a real simple concept. Uh, I remember when I ordered mine back, I ordered one back in 2020. Yeah. And uh, you're you talking about all the, the different. One then. <laughs> you had the, you're talking about all the different rib sizes. I remember I was getting the tape measure out and I was trying to measure yeah. my rib and I'm and trying to measure in millimeters. And if you're off by like, <laughs> half of like 1.1 you know millimeter or whatever then the thing might not work right now i was just worried to death that i wouldn't get it right and this thing would be all jacked up so when i saw that you had you know you started putting in the rib adapter kits yeah i was like man that's that's money right there you can just crank those things out then um you don't have to worry about anything and i also like that uh it's so simple to install um and you have you know the torque you know the pound the pound the foot is it foot pounds or uh, what's the yeah 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 that's right um and i wanted to ask you too can you over tighten it like can you tighten it so much that it kind of affects how the red dot sits on the mount uh not really so the only thing you know i've i test them at home so most of most of our screws that we use end up needing 12 inch pounds that's really more than the spec um, into the 7075 aluminum, which is what we use. That's more than the spec calls for. I just know that, you know, I don't want somebody to barely tighten it and, you know, think, oh, that's not tight enough. So we call out up to 12, but I've tested them up to 25 or so um, with no issues. You know, I haven't stripped any out. I get people every now and then that, you know, they may not have a, a 
any way to check the torque. They might strip one out if they just really crank down on it. But yeah, as far as the, the optic, so the optics are kind of different than the mount. A lot of times the optic manufacturer will specify what it's supposed to be. So it's a little bit different than you know, like on scope rings. Scope rings, you know, you, you can damage a scope by, by torquing that too much. At least on most of the red dots, you're just kind of going into, you know, a solid piece of metal. So you're, you're really, unless you really are just He-Man, you're not, you're probably going to strip the head out before you were to damage it for the most part. So do you recommend, uh, putting Loctite on those screws? Yeah. So, so we send Loctite with it. Um, every mount comes with Loctite for now. We've contemplated not doing that. I think it gives everyone a little extra security. Um, it's just an extra, it's just something that, um, people like to have, if, you know, they don't have to go buy a five, six, $7 bottle of Loctite. It comes with a little enough to use, um, a few times. So, um, that's another thing. The optics manufacturers, some of them just don't recommend it. I, most of them don't have a problem with it, but the easiest thing is just when you have your red dot, whatever the, they say to, if they say to use it, use it. But I recommend just using it on the mount because we don't have any issues with that. Did you um? Do you have any issues with like, um, I guess, in the beginning, trying to get things just right for as far as like recoil? You know what I'm saying? Like different shotguns have different amounts of recoil, and that recoil is gonna greatly affect the performance of your red dot, right? Yeah. Do y'all have any issues with that in the beginning? We, no, no issues with that. So, um. If it's just the red dots in general, you know, I mean, they're designed for the recoil. The only, I get questions a lot of time. I think there's an A5 where the barrel actually moves in the, is that right? Is anybody familiar with that gun? I'm not personally, but I think the barrel actually slides back when it recoils or something. And, you know, I have people that are concerned about it, but, you know, we've not, we've not had any issues with that. I I only ask that question because as from the consumer side, when you think about putting in one other element, right, like a, Kind of yeah. like a third party element into into something that would be that would be probably my main concern is like I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to put something there. Um, yeah. Obviously, I have friends like Joey who do all the research and <laughs> and know all the things, and they can tell me what I need to buy. So there you go. <laughs> I'm not too worried about it, but I could imagine somebody listening might be thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, but we we talked about a lot about the the actual mount, but I don't know that we have literally explained what it does. Um, okay. For anybody who maybe doesn't know what Meadow Creek is, maybe hasn't heard heard of it, um, or maybe they've found themselves in a situation like like uh, a lot of people did, where they can't mount the red dot scope and they don't know that you exist. So tell us, just like kind of yeah. in in layman's terms, what exactly uh, this mount does. Yeah, so basically it just allows you to mount. Um, uh, and you know, we I use the term red dot optic very very broadly. You know, there's there's green dots, there's red circles. Red dot to me is just a reflex sight or a holographic sight. So any kind of small, um, some, we also sell the little tubular ones, but it allows you to put that on your shotgun. It mounts onto the ribs and you don't have to modify the weapon at all. You don't have to drill and tap the receiver. So, um, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys either don't want to pay to drill and tap. They just don't want holes in their gun for whatever reason. You know, it's a lot easier to, to put it on and go, take it off without without you know having the extra holes that water can get in or whatever in your receiver so that's 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 the gist of it that's pretty much it that's the uh that to me that's the the biggest benefit is being able to do all that without right you know damaging the gun in any way even though that might sit there forever 
Um, you, you never mess with the integrity of that gun. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason I designed it was so that you didn't have to modify the gun, but then after you use it, that's when you kind of see the other benefits to it. So I think I really love the idea of being able to use some of my granddad's guns without having to alter my granddad's gun. Not that, you know, because I think my granddad had some of these older guns that didn't have sights on them. With the advent of sights, he probably would have drilled and tapped the gun anyways and had the sight put on there. But, you know, the sentimental value is in the way that it looks and the ability to put this on and then just at any point in time take it off and go shoot skeet with it or rabbits or whatever and not change anything. Um, I think there's a variety of guns you just don't really want to drill into. Um, Specifically, I think I look at a lot of those over and unders that really appeal to me that have that rib. Um, I've called several of the shops and they're like, Hey, if you get some of those older over and unders, yes, they have choke tubes, but there's not enough material there for me to tap. And I'm like, well, if those are the really cool ones, I want to tote into the woods anyways. Yeah. And you can pass down granddad's shotgun to Walden and not have to give him your red dot. <laughs> you <can laughs> keep that for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Greg, are there any optics manufacturers uh, that have just such a strange footprint that it, you haven't you haven't uh, modified the, the the mount to work with yet? Um, so yes, as far as our direct mounts, but we also make the Picatinny mount. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, pretty much. Ev- I mean, I'm I can't I guess I can't say everyone, but I don't know of any red dots that you can't. They either don't come with a Picatinny mount or you can't get that from the manufacturer. So yeah. we have the Picatinny rail that goes on the rib. It does make the optics sit higher because you've got a Picatinny, uh, you know, you've got the Picatinny rail, then you've got a Picatinny mount, then you've got the optic where, you know, all the ones like the, say, the Burris uh, Fast Fire, the Vortex Venom, they mount directly to the real thin plate that goes on the rib. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, yes and no, there's a lot that we don't have the direct mount for, but we have the, the Picatinny that will work for pretty much all of them. A lot of these optics manufacturers will yeah, have a have a mount or have a red dot that, you know, is some kind of off the wall. I don't know why they do it. I don't have answers for why they make, why they don't, why there's not an industry standard for all of them. You know, there's still three or four major ones that we make the mounts for. Um, I wish they all would use the same one. Um, I think a lot of times it's if, if that manufacturer also makes uh makes guns they want you know you buy their gun they're going to want you to put an optic that they make on it so that's part of it um but still there's uh pretty much we can do it if if it's made so i i had a big um i guess like aha moment this past spring not really a moment uh i just got peer pressured by all my friends to put a red dot on my new gun uh more than anything and uh, I saw a ton of benefits from it. Honestly, I did. Um, I, as far as like the sight picture, um, being able to really focus on that head rather than just try to cover up the, the whole yeah. model with my BB on the end, you know, or my fiber optic on the end. Um, I saw a ton of benefits, and I, I want to know from a guy who who is making a living right now in that particular part of the industry. Um, what would you say are the biggest benefits to using a red dot over your traditional, you know, fiber optic or BB on the end? Yeah. So, um, like you said, the ease of aiming, you know, that, that dot on a reflex site. All right. So imagine you've got the window and you've got the dot in the middle of it. It doesn't matter where your head is. If your head is moved and the dot is down in the corner of the window, 
that doesn't matter. That stays on target. So wherever that dot is, after you've got it sighted in, is where it's going to hit. So the turkey hunters know you get in odd situations. You're, you're sitting this way, and he pops up over there, starts to come. You have to lean around a tree. It doesn't matter where your head's at. If, if the dot's on it, that's where it's going to hit. So that's the biggest benefit to me of having a red dot. And just, um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to line up, whether you've got, whether you're coming from just a bead on the end of the shotgun and you're having to hope you're straight behind it, or you're trying to line up, you know, a rear sight with a front sight and get those lined up. It's still just, just getting on the bird is a lot quicker and easier. A lot of times it happens fast. He pops up at 40 yards and looks for a second he's gone. With a red dot, you, you know, you can get it on him and shoot, and it's over with. So that's that's the main benefit to me to go into a red dot in general. I didn't even yeah, realize that was going to be a thing. Yeah. Like, whenever I, whenever I first started it, like, I guess I heard people talking about it. Uh, I'm not a big gun guy, right? So I don't I don't shoot a lot of pistols. I, don't, I never have bought a red dot for anything. And so whenever I first used it and I kind of saw that aspect that you're talking about, I've maybe heard people explain it. But actually seeing it and yeah. testing it, right? Like yeah. when you're out just shooting the gun for the first time or sighting it in, and you can kind of move like, like drastically, like almost yeah, I, too much. I get to people to do that at, when I show it at the convention or whatever. I say, all right, aim at a spot up there on the on the ceiling and move your head around. And they're like, oh, it does stay on target. You know, it it's kind of you have to visualize it and see what it, it really doesn't move. It moves in the window, but on the target, it stays in one spot. One of the big things, I think, that's the one of the largest benefits to using a red dot is just being able to, like Parker said, sight the thing in. Yep. You know, before, when you'd pattern your turkey gun, like if, if the shells you had were shooting low, you just had to aim high. You had yeah, to throw sure. that Kentucky windage in there. Yep. And it wasn't, you know, sometime later... I forget who, you know, True Glow or whoever, you know, released the uh, the fiber optics that you could actually yeah. adjust and, you know, that made things better. But, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, every load will work for any gun and anything like that, but you can put that red dot and you can put that pattern literally anywhere you want to, you know, with that, with the dot, you know, it does, you don't have to aim high or aim low or worry about shooting to the left or to the right i mean it's like a rifle once once you got it set it's set and ready to go yeah i've I've gone through uh you know in the last 10 years 10 12 15 different turkey guns just trying and i you know i keep plenty on hand if somebody's going with me and i've i could probably count on a couple fingers how many have hit dead you know dead center on where you're aiming whether that's um you know off three or four inches at 40 yards or off a foot, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've not had very many that are true point of aim, point of impact. So having that red dot, whether you're being able to adjust it just a little bit is huge. Well, I think some of those European guns, they shoot high anyway because yep. of the way they shoot over there. Yep. I, I noticed that with my Benelli and Benelli yep. gets a cussing from a lot of people because oh, out yeah. of the box they shoot high, but they're designed to shoot high. Um, but you put a red dot on there and, you eliminate you yeah. eliminate that problem. Yeah, I see yeah, arguments first. from people. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go go for it. I see arguments from people on forums because I'm on Facebook forums all the time. Uh, people asking or people saying, "Oh, there's no need for a red dot. You don't aim a shotgun." But when you're turkey hunting, you aim a shotgun. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's not Sometimes. a you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you try to. You, you're going to need to, but yeah, 
it's um it's a lot different than just pulling up to shoot a dove or whatever even though mm-hmm. there has been a growing um community of guys that are using red dots on their wing shooting guns i've done it for dove hunting i don't personally duck or goose hunt myself but i have a lot of guys using them i'll have um people call that say they say i've got a you know i like to shoot traps skeet sporting clays and after they put it on there i, I had a guy probably six months ago he he did it and sent me back his little sticker that said twenty five to twenty five. He was he was uh he was happy with it. So we, it, it works for that as well. I still see, I still see every now and then I'll see somebody with old. I, I guess you can call them old school now, but the turkey scopes. It just looks like a legit no. rifle scope on top of the turkey gun. Are you seeing them. those go away now? I but and I can't imagine having that big old thing yeah. on top of my shotgun. No. I, so I, when I first started getting into, you know, my first, when I started turkey hunting, it was a Remington 870, three and a half inch, you know, number four rim nitro turkey, you know, lucky to put one or two pellets in a beer can at, at 40 yards. I mean, it's, it's just, you were, you were hoping when you shot it at 35, 40 yards, he was going to roll over, but he didn't always. So I went to, after that, I put a scope on it and started shooting some heavy shot. And man, that thing weighed like 12 pounds. Um, it's, uh, it was, it was, I enjoyed hunting with it, but it's, a lot of guys still use them. I mean, I think the thing is, if somebody wants one, it's so that they can see a little bit better further, so that they can have the magnification is really just the main reason. Um, because the red dot will do everything better than, better than a scope aside from the magnification. Um, but yeah, I've seen less and less of those probably. <laughs> I I shake way too much to be trying to use a scope with any kind of zoom when it comes to a turkey. Yeah. I would just I'd miss every stinking bird I shot at. Man, there's no way. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I know I I've got a. Let's see. I was gonna. I've got one right here. All right. So you go to. So I've got a Burris Fastfire Three right here. They. It's so light. I can't even tell. I think they weigh. Like about an ounce. So, hmm. for people that maybe don't really know how little they are, this is how little they are. So, yeah. you know, you've got a big scope that weighs over a pound versus this guy. Mm-hmm. So it just adds so much less weight. You know, it's 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 a negligible amount. Yeah, yeah, dude. And now now with with a lot of the 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 TSS loads and people, a lot of people switching like I did to a twenty gauge or even a four ten, yep. and like coming up with these like freaking light turkey guns mm-hmm. that are just killers five and a half pounds <laughs> it's awesome man i freak yeah. i love it it has i tell you there has there was a big difference for me um for example joey when we were in uh montana mm-hmm. and hiking up those mountains mm-hmm. with that that little sa20 with a red dot versus yeah this <laughs> super mag 12 gauge uh uh what is it 810 i guess um <laughs> No, uh, 870, 870, sorry. Yeah, the 870 Mag, which is a small gun, right? Like, for a 12-gauge, it's a pretty small gun. Mm -hmm. That Joker is so stinking heavy. Uh, And now, like, with all the stuff, we were at uh, NWTF this past year at the Mossberg booth, and I was looking at their youth model stuff, their youth model Mm 20-gauges. They're, like... I just bought a BB gun for my son that's bigger than a lot of these turkey guns that, <laughs> that people are making. It's pretty cool, man. Will you guys well, all why. be at the NCTF convention? I will be, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you have to make Absolutely. sure and stop by. We will be stopping by. Absolutely. Yeah. Booth 1829. 
Got it. That, uh, like Parker was just saying, that's the reason I'm making the switch to 28 this year. Uh, yeah. After the new year or whatever, I'm going to get a 28 and get it set up. Because with shell, with shell technology these days, I mean, I'm except for maybe like waterfowl, like goose hunting and stuff like that, 12 gauges I think are just going to get less and less common because Deer hunters. TSS, bismuth, all these other you know alloys that, that they're putting out. Shells are just going to continue to get better, and there's going to be less reason to have, you know, those magnum, you know, 12-gauge loads. Yeah. I think the 20, 28 is ideal for turkeys. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys are the 410. I have carried mine probably eight or ten times and haven't even had a turkey in range the times I've taken it, and then I'll pick up the 20-gauge and kill one the next morning. But I'm, I'm afraid the 410 – you know, there might be one out there 40, 45 yards, and I'm afraid if I shoot and, you know, I, I 100% know if I'm on him and I shoot, he's going to he's gonna flop over. But I'm afraid if I miss or something, I'm going to wrap it around a tree and never carry it again. I know I know when I pull the trigger on the 20 gauge, it's over with. So, But I think 28, 28s are right there with it. You can ounce and a quarter ounce and three-eighths load, ounce and a half even is plenty in the TSS for sure. Mm-hmm. What's your um, – what, what's your – absolute favorite uh turkey gun setup so like the gun you sound like you've got several turkey guns that well, you take and you have shot several so, what's your favorite combination so i'm actually switching this year but i've been carrying a 20 gauge 870 with the sure shot stock which walter just got one of this week um uh it's got to be bottom land or green leaf original bottom land um but I like a pistol grip on a turkey gun. Um, a lot of guys hate them. I love them. I like to be able to, you know, set it right here on my shoulder. You can kind of, you know, keep it keep it straight, uh, you know, by, without having your hand on top. Um, I love a pistol grip. And then, of course, I've got a usually a Burris Fast Fire 3 or Vortex Venom on, on the rib. So um, I've got, like you said, multiple setups. But I'm actually going to the Mossberg SA-20 this year. Um I've just, I haven't found a, a perfect, my 870 is shot fine, but it's not great. And I'm just searching for something a little bit better. Uh, so I'm going to go with that SA20 this year. It's it's light, um, got a little bit longer barrel. Uh, I think the 21's maybe a little too short. I'm a bigger guy. Um, I carry a 21 inch barrel on my, and it's like right here, the back of my head when I'm walking. So uh, that little longer barrel, I think I'll feel a little safer when the end of the barrel's right there while I'm walking. So that, the SA to me, that, that's a ideal size on me. SA yeah. twenty looks looks just right on me. It comes up to about right there. Um, dude, I love that gun though. Like yeah. it's a sweet, it's a sweet shooting gun. Um, so I got a question for you. Okay. Do you, um, the man behind Meadow Creek Mounts? Do you have a gun that requires a Meadow Creek mount? What do you mean by that? Like, like, are you using a are you using a, a gun that is already set up to just put your? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of my guns are drilled and tapped, but you know, and and a lot of my customers, you know, they still use the mount on guns that are drilled and tapped because it, to me, it's yeah. more than just that. It's getting it out there, getting it in in that position. Um, I got you know uh, yeah. people that call me every week, you know, and they, they want to do it. And I, you know, 
sometimes they just want the optic. They and I try to talk them into a mount, tell them why, and once they try it, they love it. So yeah, all all my even the eight seventy I've been carrying forever. I drilled and tapped it before I came out with Meadow Creek. So it's got some yep. old rusty holes right in the top of the receiver that are all gummed up from when I had a mount sitting on it. And uh, that was the que- that was the question. That was perhaps the better way to ask the question: Is are you still yeah. using it on your guns? Because oh, yeah, of that sure. benefit. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, every every gun I hunt with has it on there. Yep. Excellent. Has the Meadow Creek, yeah. As far as optics go, I've kinda of wanted to see what uh or have you explained if you can, like what are the differences between the reflex sights, a prismatic yeah. sight, and a holographic sight? Because when you know, yeah. I think red dot is like uh an umbrella term almost. Yeah, for sure. Um, or at least it is to me. You know, when I when yeah. I say red dot, it could mean you know the big long tube uh, right. sites or you know whatever. So yeah. can you explain to the people and me what the so differences the are in all those? Yeah, as far as the way they look. So most of those tube style, like um, I think True Glow has what they call like a gobble. Uh, what do they call that? Gobble stopper. Gobble stopper or something. Or something. Gobble, I think yeah, Catman used to. Have I one think a lot of those. A lot of those tube style sites are prismatic. It's just kind of the way the the light and the the dot bounce inside of that tube. Um, so most of what we sell is I'll hold it up again so people can people can see it is the the Fastfire Three is a is a um, uh, that's a reflex, right? A reflex, uh, yeah. It, right. it left me for a second. So and really the difference between the reflex and the holographic. So if you know what the uh, and I actually had one here, but I sent it back for warranty. If you know what the EOTechs look like, those are like most of those are a holographic sight. The only the big difference between the holographic and the reflex is kind of the way the way the light is actually um, made in the sight and projected. The holographic's just a lot more. There's a lot more to it. Um, this is just simply a um, pretty much a a light that reflects off of the glass mm-hmm. and it's. You sight it in, it moves okay. up and down. So the holographic are more expensive just because of the way they work. They can be a little clearer, a little bit more accurate. Um, the holographic can give kind of a, if you imagine like a, a circle with a dot, it can be kind of 3D looking. Um, for turkey hunters, though, the reflex is the way to go. You know, right. the, the price range, um, 150 to $300 sites are just perfectly fine for turkey hunting. I don't see the need to... Put a six, seven, eight hundred dollar EOTech on there. Right, right. Are there some features that, um, or tell us about some of the features that you like and dislike about some of these red dots? I mean, there, yeah, there so, are pros and cons to everything. And one, I, I will say, one con that I've seen uh, is uh, the auto brightness feature, and right. it's it's easily resolvable. You can just turn it off. But I remember specifically one turkey last year where the auto brightness. Um, it was in low light and it was, it thought it was more light than it really was. And so my, my red dot kind of like star burst on me and it, it saved at least a shot, (laughs) a shot being flung at a turkey. I don't want to say that it saved that turkey, (laughs) but I probably could have at least got on him a lot better. Uh, but what are a couple things that you adjust or that you do when you, uh, when you're mounting a red dot? Well, I'm glad you brought that up as a con because I see auto brightness as a pro, but as I've never had an issue with it. So, and that's one of the great things about all the different models, you know, we've got, they make one for everybody. You know, if you don't think you want, if you don't care about auto brightness, you can buy a cheaper one that doesn't have it, you know, mm-hmm. or if you want to spend a little extra on it. So, um, auto brightness is, is great. Auto shut off, um, 
but you know, a lot of people worry about the battery in it. Um, a lot of these are 10, 20, 50,000 hour batteries. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I tell everybody put one in at the beginning of the season. So that's not really a, a big thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other features that are, that, um, you know, I talked about green dot, whether there's a circle, some of them just come in like the fast fire three only comes with a, either a three MOA dot and then you've got an eight MOA dot. So that's basically three inches at 100 yards versus eight yeah. inches at 100 yards. That sounds really small when you say three inches at 100 yards for a red dot. So I get people, they're like, I think I want the eight. And I tell them, look, I sell mm-hmm. 100 of the threes to every one of the eights. Um, yep. Eight to me is, and I'm sure it's fine, but I would rather, I would honestly rather it be smaller than three. It yeah. it feels bigger than that in the window to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially the brighter it gets, the kind of it looks bigger, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've got the different colors, the different reticles, the burst fast fire four, you can change the reticle in it. So it comes with a circle dot or a dot. Um, a lot of the, most of the vortexes are just the, the dot. Um, you have the swamp fox, the hollow suns. There's just, there's so many different options for everybody that there's, there's one that, um, you know, people ask me what I want or, you know, they ask, what would you shoot? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what I would shoot, but we sell all these that we've tested and used. Um, and we test them for a reason because we don't want to sell anything that is junk, but we still have all these different models so that you can fully customize it exactly the way you want it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great. You see it as a con and I see it as a pro that just proves that everyone's different. So well, I think, uh, it's a, it's a con until maybe 30 minutes after sunrise gotcha. <laughs> and then uh, you can turn on auto brightness yeah. and, yeah. uh, and it's fine. And that was just yeah. one instance where I was really, you know, looking down the site at yeah. a turkey and yep. wish that it was not as bright. I got you. Uh, well, luckily, if, if, if it was on your gun that has a meadow Creek, you could just, you, your hand was right there. You were able to just hit the button. You didn't have to move at all back Boom. here. You would have to Soul. move. So, um, so that's another, you know, we go back to the features just of the mount, you know, it's right there by your hand. Yeah. Um, you can just reach your thumb. I'll get back on. Can you reach it? You reach your thumb up and, and change it. So, um, yeah, the auto brightness on these, as soon as you click it on, of course it's on auto. Then you just mm-hmm. click it to high, medium, low. It's that simple. Most of them, most of them are similar. If they have auto brightness, when you turn it on, that's what it's in. But you can easily mm-hmm. um, adjust up or down from there. Yeah. The uh, all these optics have really changed the way that we pattern shotguns. I know I was yeah. in the camp for years of just putting a paper plate on a fence post in a tree and shooting yep. a thing and making sure there were plenty of pellets in there, and that was good yep. enough. Um. How do you pattern and zero your red dots now? And the reason I ask that is I think a lot of people, when they first get a red dot, they're scared to death of having to shoot a bunch of these high-dollar TSS loads to get their gun patterned when, in reality, you know, you could probably use, you know, some some field loads, some dove loads to start out with. So kind of walk us through how you do, how do you pattern your shotgun now? All right. So first of all, there's, uh, there's two things you have to pattern it and you have to sight it in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that's the same thing. They go shoot and they think they're patterning it and sighting it in. That is not the same thing. You know, um, it used to be when you didn't have sights for your gun, a lot of, when you would try different loads and chokes, you not only wanted one that had a good pattern, but you wanted it to be close to the center. So that was a mm-hmm. big factor. Now that's a non-factor. You can, sh- you know, if it's shooting three feet to the left, it doesn't matter if you put a red dot on it. So, 
Um, first of all, I say, you know, figure out what load you're going to shoot. Um, don't worry about where it's hitting. Shoot a big piece of paper. You don't even really have to have the red dot on it for that. Once you've got that figured out, when you mount the optic on there, I like to bore sight it. Um, but I do that by eye, you know, that you're not shooting a rifle into a, a one inch circle. So, um, I'll pop the barrel off since the, since the optic is on the barrel. I can look across the yard and aim at a certain split in a tree, you know, set it up on the deck. And I get the dot right where I can see through the through the barrel on the same spot. So um, after that, you just I go to 15 yards with a high brass dove load. Doesn't really have to be a high brass. That's just just some kind of field load, something that's cheap, and get it. It'll blow a hole at 15 yards. Get it sighted in perfectly, and then I tell people, you know, even though you're most people pattern at 40, I don't necessarily think you have to sight in at 40. You can check it. I like to sight in at 30 to 35. Um, cause I know at 40, I'm gonna have enough spread. If I'm off by six inches, it's going to kill the turkey anyway. At 20 yards, if you're off by six inches, you're not going to kill the turkey. <laughs> so, um, you know, get to 30, 35 yards, then you put your turkey load in, make sure you've got your choke, your turkey load that you came up with earlier that you wanted to shoot and fine tune it from there. Um, it's liable to shoot. It will shoot different than the field loads, um, for the most part. Um, but once you, you only have to take, you know, a couple times to shoot, and also, uh, my buddy Devin Duncan has a really good video on yeah. YouTube um, of how to sight one in if you look up the bullseye to bullet hole. Or is it bullet yeah. hole? Bullseye to bullet hole. So, yeah, basically, effectively, if you've got some kind of uh, sandbags, all right, just for example, say you shoot, I'm just going to make this easy, say you're hitting four inches high. Well, um, any guy, anybody that shoots a bow knows that that means you need to move your sight up four inches Something you'd move your pin, but in the scope or on the red dot, you're actually turning the dial to what says down, but that actually moves the dot up. So if you leave it in the sandbag, go back to center, center of the target is here, but you hit way up here. If you'll move your dot, watch your dot move up to where you hit, you really, if you know what you're doing, can sight it in in one shot. You don't have, you really don't even have to shoot again if you've got a good solid rest that you can move it to where you hit. Um, of course, you want to confirm, but there's no sense in chasing it around, hoping it moved. However, if you can hold the gun still and move it to where it hit, then that's where it's going to hit again. So check out his video. He did a good job on it. So, Yeah, I watch that video at least once a year. You know, that, that, that <laughs> real early springtime. It makes sense when you kind of realize what's going on. It, it's, I didn't it, even yeah. know Devin Duncan had videos on YouTube. He doesn't have very many, I don't think. So First That's probably the most popular one on his channel. Yeah, for sure. Because it's... <laughs> It's made its rounds, and uh, yep. for good reason. Just like Greg said, that is an excellent video when you're going to sight in a red dot. It'll save you some shells. Yeah. I get people that call me, or, you know, they get confused about, they get confused, I think, more, it works the exact same way as a scope, but since you can see that it says up, they they get confused when they turn it up and it moves down. It just confu- it blows people's minds. They're, they're like, it says, why is it going down if I'm turning it up? It's because it's moving your pattern down. It's moving yeah. the, 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 the uh, dot up. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. What, uh, what kind of experience do you have as far as testing different loads? We kind of, I know we're talking about optics, but I kind of want to pick your yeah. brain about a, a little bit of uh, stuff here while we got you. As far as choosing the right load for yeah. you know certain size choke uh right. pellet size and things like that you sound like you've you know patterned a lot of shotguns so I, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in that but i have been loading my own tss for uh, 10 or 11 years now um mm-hmm. 
I've tested, you know, different sizes. Uh, the the thing to me, I, I feel like the days of testing chokes and loads are gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, it's going to be hard to, you know, we'll just take 20 gauge, for example. It's going to be hard for us, uh, any load of straight nines or eights by nines, eight and a half by nine and a half, something in that range. And, uh, you know, a lot of people shoot the 555 chokes. They shoot great. They're a little hotter. I prefer like a 562 or 570 myself, mm-hmm. but you could almost shoot a factory full and, and it's going to shoot better than, better than what we're using 10 or 15 years ago out of the 12 gauge. So that, that's the thing to me. You don't have to, they might be expensive, um, but you're not going to waste a hundred dollars when you get a new gun trying to find new chokes or more than a hundred if you're trying different chokes and all that. So mm-hmm. a high quality choke. Um, so there's plenty of brands out there. Any of the, any of the big name brands are fine. Um, same thing with ammo, you know, um, like I said, I load my own, but all the, the most of the big companies are loading TSS now. Even you know, yeah, whoever. So one of the things I, I kind of noticed. Uh, of wars, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got friends in the end, you know, and it's uh, a lot. There's a lot of uh, you know, um, yeah. I just won't. I'm not gonna argue over different <laughs> ammos, but any of the TSS is good. Well, one of the things that I kind of noticed. Uh, especially I, when Joey, TSS can I, started. Can I pause for just a second? Yeah. Why you still load your ammo if it's all said and decided? Why wouldn't you just buy it? I'm curious. Uh-oh. What was that for me? Yeah, yeah. You said you you said it's it's kind of. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. The, so like the testing and everything is kind of like decidedly over, right? So why are you still loading your own ammo? I'm just curious. Oh, it's cheaper. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Hmm. I don't, I never really loaded my own for testing. It's just, you know, I, um, I cost about half as much if you load your own. So it makes a lot really? of sense actually. Yeah. All right. When you're I'll talking about TSS. You <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should, you should totally, uh, like I, I, here's the thing. If somebody would like list out all the things that I need for that, I, I still it. wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You have to do it. Uh, it's it, it, it's easier to just go buy you know a couple boxes and go hunt. So um, yeah, most of my the, that wasn't the reason I started loading my own. wasn't really for testing because uh, you know it's it all shoots good. So I mean there was some testing in the beginning, but um, for the most part, um, a good quality load from one of the guys that that would provide that was it was easy to easy to load and, and shoot. Try it. It shot good. I go hunt. I mean, I had a trap, so I've built a couple different traps where you shoot the TSS into it and you can harvest it and reshoot it, but I hardly ever do it. It's like, I don't shoot enough to even, to even fool with it. Shoot once or twice at the beginning of the year to make sure the gun's still on and go hunt. So mm-hmm. it's like, what the, it's like, um, it's like de- processing deer. Like I always say, yeah, like, man, if I just had all this stuff, <laughs> man, I'd probably still just drop it off at the processor to be honest. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier, but I will say, I think like hand loads, whether it's for rifles that you have for for deer, turkeys, whatever yeah. you're doing. Um, if somebody tells me that, I don't ask them like any more questions. I just assume these guys are hardcore turkey hunters or deer hunters. Like they know what they're doing because they yeah. load all their own ammo. So like, if somebody well, wants to just be a be that guy, then just start doing that. 
I think the rifle's definitely a little bit different. It's a lot harder to get, you know. Yeah. Rifles are a lot... Well, I won't say they're they're more temperamental, but you're talking, you know, a lot more yeah. accuracy than a shotgun to begin with. So, uh, little differences make a big difference in rifle ammo. Where... Absolutely. Do you think there's a... I mean, with, uh, with TSS nowadays, especially with all these... There's so many pellets in a load now. And I remember when uh, I was shooting those three and a half inch, uh, 12 gauge, I think it's number eight and number 10 blend federal mm-hmm. sh- uh, shells. There were a thousand pellets. In yep, that there was a lot in that. And I almost and did through a awesome pattern. It would flat fill up a pattern board. But because there were so many pellets, I would have a lot of strays. Yeah. Um, is there a correlation? But can you have too many pellets? for the choke like can you have too tight of a choke for you know let's say let's stick with 12 gauge i guess like if i'm shooting that many pellets do i need that more open choke instead of those i guess what is it six six five or six six yeah so just in general yes um you know uh but a lot of times a little bit of testing will tell you that's why I just err on the side of a little bit more open choke. I, I don't have the need to shoot a 555 and shoot over 300 pellets in a 10-inch circle. You know, that that's kind of the standard, um, if some people aren't aware. Kind of the standard for turkey choke and load patterning is uh, how many pellets are in a 10-inch circle at 40 yards. If you have mm-hmm. – it used to be if you had 100, you were doing really good because that pretty much ensured that every time you pull the trigger – his head's in that circle, he's dead. So now guys are shooting 250, 300 of the TSS and then looking for the, the, the beauty of the TSS though, is that you have more in the outside of that. So there are strays that are even outside of the, say a 20 inch circle, but if you've got a really good 10 and then some more out there, if you're off by a little bit and you've still got some out there, you're still going to kill him. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I got I could probably nerd out for the next three hours talking exactly <laughs> about this. But uh, Joey, I'm, he keeps looking down at this. We have I've an itinerary, guys. So, so there's an itinerary. There's a list of things, and Joey keeps looking down. I'm like, that's not on the itinerary. Yeah. Joey he has his own. That son of a gun got his own list <laughs> to keep asking questions. <laughs> if I don't write stuff down, I'll forget about it. So these I'm all trying these to look at like ways that down. I can help Joey out. Like I, I could do that. That's not even on there. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of I kind of took a bite, took a detour uh, since we started talking about this stuff. But it, yeah. this stuff like like really interests me because. With uh, you know, with shell technology and optics and uh, you know, shotgun barrels and everything else, it's almost it's getting more and more like rifle shooting. Like you have to pay yeah. attention to ballistics oh. and you have to know how a load performs and you know your barrel needs to be doing this and so on and so forth. So it's it it just really got gets my wheels turning, uh, and especially for you know someone you know like me that buys a box of ammo off the shelf and will buy you know my choke tube and put it in my gun and roll with it. And then, you know, now I need to see if my this box of shells that I just bought, if it really works or if I need to buy a few more boxes or, yeah. you know, there's so many different variables here. And uh, so I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm trying to find, like, the shortcut, you know, 
to finding the right answer, but I'm trying to maybe simplify it for a lot of guys, you know, like, well, yeah, going back to what I said a minute ago, the beauty of it is it's all so much better than what we were using 10, 15 years ago that a good quality, you know, extra full or tighter choke, um, you know, in the 20 gauge, a 562, 570 with a mm-hmm. ounce of 5.8s of TSS, you're, there's not, I, I'm sure there's, I would guess there's not one that shoots bad. So, um, they're, they're all good. So, yeah. As far as, uh, you know, setting your gun up, you know, and taking the step further, what, uh, are there, have there been any modifications that you've made to shotguns to kind of, that fits your needs and what you prefer, like, Porting barrels, forcing cones, anything like that. Have you done any of that? I haven't done any of that. Uh, even even back when I was shooting lead, you know, I was probably just too cheap to do it. I know it mm. it really made guns come alive back then, and there are still guys that do it now. It still does or can and does help with the TSS, mm-hmm. um, but it's just not something that really has to be done anymore. I got you. Do you know if if port like porting a barrel or using a ported choke does that help with recoil at all, or does that di- or really does that hurt know. your velocity more than anything? I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> simple enough. It, it's crazy though what you're saying because you're absolutely right, and I know Walt can relate with this too. I shot that stupid Maverick 88 like from I got it whenever I was. Yep. I don't know, like 11 or something to shoot doves with. And I shot that thing up until probably about seven years ago. That was my turkey gun. And pretty much once TSS came about, like, it was fine. You know what I mean? Well, like, there's it, a chance it might be your best shooting gun. You just you just yeah. never know. Um, some of the cheapest guns I've had throw the best patterns, you know. Um, Absolutely. It, you, just, you don't have to have a twelve fifteen dollars $1,500 shotgun to kill a turkey. I mean, everybody knows that. But um, a twelve dollars or $1,500 shotgun has zero... Zero chance of always being better than than a three hundred dollar eight seventy or a five hundred or three hundred dollar Mossberg five hundred. They're just they, they or a ninety nine dollar Maverick eighty eight. Maverick eighty eight. <laughs> I yeah. use that thing as a boat paddle. I, I got yeah, boats unstuck with it. I mean, I, I gave it a pat the other day because I've moved on to other things, and he's got two young boys, and I'm sitting here thinking this is a perfect gun for a young kid. I don't even think I ever. No, it's it. not. It's a terrible gun for a young kid. <laughs> Why? It's like the worst gun in the world for a young kid. Why? But it's our cell, it's my home defense gun right now. Is it? Yeah, heck yeah. It's laying Jesus by the bed. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> a long barrel on stuff. You're going to beat them hey, up? Hey, the they're going to catch a load. I've actually <laughs> got <laughs> I've got turkey loaded it right now. <laughs> we, uh, well, when you were saying, you know, all these, all these guns, you know, all these old guns or whatever, they could potentially be the best shooting guns. Do you think that has more to do with the barrel, uh, more so than anything? It, you know, it could. It's just, I think it's just, um, who knows? I mean, that's pretty much where it all comes from, though. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really all that matters. I've I've swapped barrels on guns, you know, just because I want, like on my 870, I, had it dipped and all that um, with the best shooting barrel that I had. I had three or four 870s laying around. I was like trying to see which one was the best back mm-hmm. then, but like I still keep going back to they all shoot good enough. So yeah, yeah, it's not something you got to spend a bunch of money testing all the time. So they can all get at least one pellet. That's right. All it takes is one get. pellet, right? Yeah, they all can do that. <laughs> well, I guess one of the things that I was kind of uh, wondering about is you know these long. Turkey, turkey hunters, you know, we want a kind of a shorter barrel, mm-hmm. but um, I've seen a lot of data that shows 
a shorter barrel will reduce your velocity. And oh, yeah, so that yeah. may that may not make a difference, you know, between, you know, twelve gauge to twelve gauge, you know, to twelve gauge, but it could make a difference if you're trying to make the switch to let's say a twelve gauge to a twenty eight or a twelve yeah. to a four ten. Like yep. you may want that extra velocity in those smaller sub gauges to ensure that you're getting a good pattern and you're getting a lethal pattern out to that 40 yeah. to 45 yard mark or whatever range of, you know, you're wanting to yeah. kill turkeys at. Agree. Yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm actually going to the 24 inch this year, not mm-hmm. because the 21 wasn't enough, but um, yeah, the shorter you get, you, you start really losing velocity below 21 in, the, in those yeah. 20 gauges. It drops off a good bit because you're thinking, you know, you're more than to go from 24 to 21. That's like 15% less yeah. barrel length you're going to lose a good bit of velocity there so it, yeah it makes a difference for sure so i think 24 24 is a sweet spot 22 yeah. 24 somewhere around there yeah and you know with the 12 gauge with uh <laughs> with the right choke and a, an 18 or 20 inch barrel i mean you could still kill yeah. turkeys at 40 yards no problem but you know like i said you start hacking off barrels on your 410s and these smaller smaller shotguns and it could make a, a huge difference yep for sure I would love to see somebody out in the turkey woods with like a sawed off four ten. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I have one. It's a they're out there. I know they are. <laughs> are they there? Did they exist? Yeah, they're somewhere in Florida, probably. Oh no, no doubt about it. Probably it's probably that guy that uh, got mad at you at the trailhead. Uh, hey, he was it opening morning? Four ten. Yeah, opening morning last year. No, I'm pretty sure he threw. A, I'm pretty sure he took out a two seventy out of his truck that day. <laughs> <laughs> were you in florida opening morning last year i was yeah and we yeah. got in the north uh, zone or south zone north yeah i was too i killed i killed a good one down there up in the morning it was a when you said two was seven, nice greg was like yep that was me it wasn't me that it was me, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought you looked familiar <laughs> you put a turkey feather in my in my window yeah, uh, I wasn't... <laughs> can you i no, was man. uh I was asking or talking about this the other day with somebody. Can you still use a rifle in Florida Hell for turkeys? No. I think you can. No, they, they uh, outlawed that. During during gun season, you can. There is a short. Oh, okay. During, during fall, mm-hmm. like the fall season, okay. but I do not yeah. believe you can during gun season anymore because it says uh, rounds. So, like the state of Florida doesn't tell you what you can do; they just tell you what you can't do, which I kind of appreciate. It's like rounds, shotguns, less than number two shot or something like that. Yeah. Um, at least the WMAs I hunt. But those are also... Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I, this, this might make the Legion mad a little bit, but I uh, a, a lot of the turkeys that I killed growing up were with a rifle in Texas because we could shoot them from the shooting house, from the blind yep. during deer season. You know what I mean? Um, so I know about that life. Actually, my first turkey I ever killed was with a thirty out 6 <laughs> really? It sure was. It absolutely was. Out of I the West Virginia. I want to say West Virginia is still legal. Yeah, it is legal in West Virginia. Mm. That's crazy. That's what I was me. talking with. Uh, yeah. I was talking with Paul Campbell uh, not long ago yeah. about you know there's so much out uproar and outcry about you know fanning and you know the way people hunt uh, turkeys with decoys or just whatever. There is never any discussion 
about sh- those everybody out west, you know, smacking them with rifles from mm-hmm. 200 yards away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, they don't even touch that. Like, it's almost like that's so far-fetched and out of the realm of southern <laughs> turkey hunting that they don't even bother to even be mad about it. You know, we'll just yeah. be mad about all this other stuff that's happening close to home. But I always thought that was uh, that was interesting. And I, I saw on, uh, I forget what uh, group it was, either a turkey hunting group or just a western hunting group from Wyoming or something. Somebody had shot uh, a hen, not even a bearded hen, just a hen <laughs> with a rifle. Legal. I mean, it's totally legal wherever the guy was. And I was like, man, this guy is just about to get crucified. Dude. Flayed open, skin alive, burnt at the stake, everything. They're about to light this man up. But oddly enough, the the comments were actually civil, and that's what kind of made me think. I was like, if he'd done this in Tennessee, you know, even if it was legal to shoot a hen in Tennessee, like with a rifle or something like that, like that, he would get drugged. But no, I mean, they don't even bother. They don't even care about it. Once you cross Mississippi River, is it uh, is it South Dakota? Maybe. That it's legal in. I remember watching a, a Western turkey hunt on YouTube, and this guy. I hope he's listening to this because it was epic. Uh, <laughs> this guy. There was two two guys. One of them shot a bird with a recurve bow, and from the same sh- spot, somebody else shot one with a thirty thirty. Like they were <laughs> hunting together, and one of them had a recurve, and the other one had a thirty thirty, and they both shot turkeys that day. Um, and it was completely legal. And it was one of those Western states. I can't remember. Uh, it's like was it fall? you don't know whether to be like really mad or really impressed with the one guy. The one guy shot it with a recurve. That's cool. The other guy shoots it with, you know. Yeah, it's weird. It's wild, man. And that is funny. I've never. You don't hear any uproar about no. that. Like pretty much ever. Mm-mm. So I don't know. Maybe. I uh, we choose what we want to get mad about. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll yeah, get we'll get pissed about somebody carrying a feather into the woods with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, waving yeah. that around. Mm-mm-mm. All I care about. Well, uh, uh, Greg, tell us. Go ahead, Joey. I was gonna I was gonna uh, tell Greg like what uh, what's in store for Meadow Creek? You know, coming up, you got any, you got anything new coming out? I did want you yeah, to absolutely. talk about this uh, the the co witness you know backup site yeah uh, that's relatively new um, I think so yep. I think that's right uh, tell us about yep. that and then tell us I'll about anything that you're uh, willing to tell us about you know yep. what's so, coming up for you. So the co witness backup site is is pretty cool. We we came out with that last year. Um, Fully released it in April, so it was kind of late for a bunch of the turkey hunters. Nobody, most people aren't putting an optic on their gun in April, or you know they might be, but they're they're behind if they are. So um, what it does is it allows. So imagine you're looking through the window of the of the site. Um, down at the bottom, there's a rear sight, which is two fiber optics, and then you have the front sight out on the rib, so you can still see fully through the. Through the site, just down at the bottom, you've got the, the, the site. So it, it mounts with the optic screws, so there's no other, you know, you pull out the screws it's screwed in with, put these in, it's not going to move. If it's on your, if it's mounted onto your um, mount, it's not, you know, you're not going to shoot again. So um, hmm. aside from siding that in, um, which there's an easy way to do that if you want to really get into it. If your red dot's already sighted in, you can just sight the backup site into exactly where the red dot's sighted in. So... It's one of those things where when you're when you're looking down the barrel or when you're looking through the site, if you've got it um, your dot centered, this is completely out of the way. And you move your head down, 
to line up those sites, your dot's going to come down as well, and it's going to be lined up with the fiber optics. So it's just a it's just a backup site in case your your battery goes dead, you know, in the woods. It does happen, even though. I mean, there's something that can happen. Luckily, I've never had it happen in the woods, but I put a battery in them every year. So yeah. it's just um, something that a lot of guys are really concerned about. You know, if, if something can go wrong, it will. So if you have mm-hmm. the backup site, you know, I know I have friends that have been hunting and here comes a bird and their the red dot's not on. So um, yeah. that backup um, alleviates that. It's, that is sweet. It's really cool. Really I cool. am waiting for that to happen to me because, you know, we, we talked about or it got mentioned earlier about tens of thousands of hours of yeah. battery life, you know, for these red dots. And yeah. I'm honestly trying to remember. I think I bought my red dot. It was the same time I bought that uh, Meadow Creek Mount. It was back in 2020. And I don't think I have put another battery in that thing. But I'll tell you what Let's I'm going to do. Battery in it before this I need to put a battery in It's like in $3, $3 at Dollar General I, next time I, you're there. And just get, I know. I ain't superstitious, but turkey hunting is kind of superstitious. I'm a, like there's, I'm a little yeah. superstitious. Yeah. I'm not superstitious. Like, I'm like, just a little superstitious. Yeah. Like I would just, now that you said it, I would probably go yeah, ahead and change now. it. I need to, I need to change it. And I think I say this to myself every year and I'm just an idiot and just completely forget about it. And then I'm kind of almost looking over my shoulder, you know, turkey hunting, waiting for this thing to die. And now that I've really talked about it, I just, I'm envisioning it in my mind right now. You know, I get, I'm going down to Florida for the opening week, you know, in the North zone or whatever. And I'm envisioning an Osceola in that red dot and it, the red dot just disappearing forever and the turkey just walking away (laughs) i literally i have gotten out of my bed at at like three o'clock in the morning gone to my safe opened my safe pulled the gun out put my hand up and be like okay yeah i turned that off because i like that (laughs) my biggest my biggest nightmare in life i'm not a very good turkey hunter my biggest nightmare in life is i'm gonna get an opportunity on a public land bird and just like joey said i'm gonna raise that gun up and it's just gonna say ha ha the bird's just gonna (laughs) rock you know like Well, one yeah. good habit that I do have is when I get the gun out of the truck to go hunt, I turn the red dot on and I turn right, it I off. Turn it off right before I put it back in that truck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think I've got the Vortex Venom or whatever, and I think it's got one of those auto shut off, you yeah. know, or whatever. If it if it doesn't do anything after like twelve hours or something, it'll turn yeah. itself off. So that'll save you. But still, I mean, I just. I'm not using it. I turn it off, and yeah. I just got to. I got into that good habit, but apparently, I'm too stupid to change a battery and the thing once a year. <laughs> well, one of the things now that you say that one of the benefit or one of the different features I forgot about earlier is the shake awake. So, mm. um, a lot of them, you know, on the shake awake, a lot of those have a shorter time. You know, they might only stay on for 30 minutes and then shut off. But if you uh, if you're sitting there and you barely like literally move it that far, it'll it'll turn on. So wow. that also means when you're riding around with it in the truck, it's probably on the whole time. But yeah. <laughs> um, that's another thing that you, you know you, you're not going to have to. And I always turn mine on when I get out of the truck. Same thing. I'm not I'm not going to wait until I'm set up on a bird to turn the thing yeah. on. I'm not that yeah. worried about the battery. Like I said, it's a three dollar <laughs> battery at Dollar General. Just put one in it. So, um, but that shake awake's really cool. Uh, cool feature on a lot of them as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But back to the new stuff. So the co-witness, of course, was last year. Um, we, uh, it, it's a optic specific thing though, because the way all the different optics are, it's got to be the right height, the right screw pattern, everything. So we just have them for the Fast Fire Three and the Vortex Venom right now. But I, I mean, I've pretty much got the other ones done. We'll have those uh, 
early spring for, you know, I'm not going to have them for every optic, but just some of the most popular ones that we mm-hmm. sell. Um, we are working on um, just some new new sights, new mounts, um, and some other stuff that's not related to optics as well that probably won't be done this year, but it'll be next year. But we've got some really exciting, really cool projects. We've got some working on some stuff that every turkey hunter will have to have once they see it. It's uh, really neat. So um, I'm excited about that. But it's a it's a multi year project, so it'll it'll probably hopefully by next spring we'll have those done. I swear to God, awesome. if, it's a, if it's a if it's a green leaf eight seventy stock, I'm gonna kill you because I'm gonna have to have it. <laughs> well, I saw I'm, I'm out of that. Yeah. Okay, good. Thought about, Keep it thought about getting some more. Yeah, I have unfollowed you on Facebook just so I don't see any of your listings because <laughs> I just don't I don't want to spend any more money. <laughs> there we go. Well, I don't have any more. So <laughs> same. Oh man, Walt Parker, you got anything else for Greg? Man, I, mean, I enjoyed, enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I just got to learn uh, the whole time. Dude, I, I am I'm there right now. And it's December the twenty first. Woo! This got, this got me. Everybody except the Alabama deer hunters and maybe some of the Mississippi deer hunters. Everybody else is ready for turkey season. So. I are one. I I am an <laughs> Alabama deer hunter. I'm actually going next week, so I'll be yeah. I'll, I'll be hunting for about a week and well I don't know, four or five days probably. So, yep. I'm in excited. Alabama. Yep. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, it should That's be a good awesome. time. I've noticed in our Patreon group, you know, especially I've really noticed it this year, but I've you know kind of noticed it a little bit before. But all those Florida guys down there, when do you, you get the Thanksgiving? You know, comes and goes. You get Thanksgiving out of the way, and then December starts rolling around. Mm-hmm. couple of their wheels just start turning a little bit more for turkeys because we got a couple uh you know subgroups you know there's deer hunting group and there's turkey group or whatever and uh i've gotten you know turkey as my favorite one of my favorite threads so i always check the turkey uh thread of, in case something pops up but uh it would stay you know barren for months there'd be you know one or one or two messages every now and then you know through the polo but now, since uh, the last couple of weeks in December, like it's just more and more like oh, they're, yeah. it's getting it's getting close for them because it's yep. what less than probably what seventy days or something like just a little over a couple months, nearly for. Um, That's crazy. For, uh, well, I know, mean, it, it I mean, literally here in Alabama. Mm. Wow, here in Alabama, go ahead. Um, <laughs> we we end February the tenth. Is when our deer season ends, and then if you like me go f- turkey hunting in Florida, you got like three, four weeks <laughs> before. <Yep. laughs> like it's really no time at all. Um, yeah. Like you better be thinking about it. You better be thinking about all the, the new, new gear. Uh, if you're going to get anything new like this kind of stuff, you know, sitting here talking mm-hmm. about this. That's got me kind of wanting to shoot that Maverick 88 with a Meadow Creek mount on it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your time to shine. <laughs> no, it's got me. It's got me fired up. Got my wheels. Got my wheels spinning a little bit. Got me thinking about March. It's gonna be That's the goal, boys. right? That's what we want for everybody. Right. Can't get here quick enough. All right, Parker, put a pin in it, man. Let's put a pin in this thing. If you're deer hunting, good luck. And uh, you guys that are out there still grinding away, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep thinking about turkeys, I think, from here on out. So, uh, Greg, thanks for coming on and talking with us today. Um, yep, thank you hey, guys. 
real quick, what's your what's your website? Where can people find out more about Meadow Creek? Yeah. So, of course, we're on Facebook, uh, but we have a website as well, just www.meadowcreekmounts.com. We try to keep everything in stock. I, tr- I try not to run out. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we have everything everything there. We ship uh, very quickly. During the season, I try to ship the same day if you order before noon, but sometimes I'm turkey hunting, so that doesn't happen every day. Um, but yeah, for the, I know that, I know if somebody orders one on April 4th that they probably wanted it on, uh, April 3rd. So I get it out to them. We have, uh, express shipping options and everything too. So, um, it gets to you quickly. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, again, Greg, thanks for coming on. Joey, Walt, thanks for joining the fire one more time. Let's, uh, let's sign off boys. We'll see y'all. Bye. See ya.